Hey Fireside, how are you guys doing? Summer is here. So if you're listening to this this morning or on a podcast later, it is uh, uh, May and summer's coming and I'm excited with that new season. And if you're local, come visit us. Visit us at Salisbury Elementary School at 10 a.m. But I'm just glad that you guys are watching and listening. Um, It is uh, uh, just amazing that we can do this, that we can actually uh, be online and and connect even if we can't be in person. But I want to start off reading Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. This is Jesus saying, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. For many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, God, that you are God who does not change. That you are God who is present even when things around us are changing. That you are constant. We love you, Lord. God, may our hearts be open to what you have to say. In your name we pray, amen. A couple years ago, I wanted to build a side porch to our house. So our house's main entrance is to the kitchen. If you've been to our house, you know it's a small ranch. And we had this cement stoop, you know, like three steps and no railings. It was kind of crumbling and it was old. And so I'd always wanted to do something with it and build a porch. So I had a friend, actually one of my former youth leaders growing up, his name was Mark Stoll, and he had done this before with his son-in-law. So I called him, and as I'm talking to him, he's starting to list all these things that I need to do. You need to get these kind of screws, this kind of wood. This is how we're going to do our fittings. And once you build this, you put it on top. And when the cement is still soft, you want to put the brace in it. And I remember getting so overwhelmed with all the information and the details and the directions and how to do this. And I thought to myself, there is just no way I can do this. You know, I'm not necessarily a carpenter, um, but he is. And, and you know when things in your, your wheelhouse just seem a lot easier than if they're not? So if you're a car guy and you're talking about carburetors and I'm going to do this and do that, for me, that's like a different language. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I am feeling so overwhelmed. And, and don't you feel like that sometimes about life that you just feel like you're not ready for it? <laughs> I, I'm not ready to do and live the life that God has called me to live or just that I I need to live in order to survive. And you get overwhelmed and you start to get panicky. And sometimes we want to shut down and just ignore the whole thing. You know, as Kate and I were talking, we both said to each other the other day that we feel like we're still 14 years old. Like, it's just me. Like, you know, we just now have a mortgage and and kids, (laughs) you know, that... We are not prepared for this. And what we do often is we see a world that's changing, a world that we just feel unprepared for. We start to think about back when, you know. Oh, back when I was a kid, we didn't have Netflix. When I was a kid, we would play outside for hours. And we think it was better back then. And this is not a new thing to our generation. Every generation thinks that their generation 
was better, meaning more moral, more going on the straight and narrow than the next. Back, my parents would, in the 90s, when I was saying, you know, this is the best time, they're saying, no, 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 back in the 60s, now that is when things were better. And their parents said, no, back in the 30s and the 20s, and, and we go on and on and on and on. But the reality is this, we live in a world that changes. And it can be overwhelming at times. But this Bible, God's word, never changes. And what we're doing in this sermon series is we're going through the values of Fireside. What makes Fireside, Fireside? If you're not actually part of Fireside, this is uh, our heart. This is our hope for you as well. And we've talked about we believe unity is greater than uniformity, that we are one, but we are different. Last week, we talked about being a contributor is over consumer, that we want to be part of building God's kingdom, not just consuming how to do it. We actually want to do it. And today I want to talk about God's word is greater than the world. That we follow what God says instead of what the world says. And that is really hard. And what we just read in Matthew chapter 7 was the ending, or close to the ending, of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry that lasted three years on earth. And he kind of stood up and he addressed these people and he gave specific directions and what it looked like to follow him. You know, before Jesus came, there were these, the, the Jews who he was talking to had, you know, Torah, had the laws. And Jesus came and what he said in Matthew 5, in the beginning of the Sermon Mount, he said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. This is key because um, Jesus is not saying what you are doing right now is obsolete, doesn't make any sense, just get rid of it, start fresh. He's like, no, no, no. Everything that you were doing following the law has built up to the moment that is now that Jesus Christ has come, a fulfillment of the law. It's prophesied, it's talked about throughout the Old Testament. This isn't new. And Jesus is now saying it's go time. And so he starts teaching them the new kingdom, this upside down kingdom. Things that were not abolishing, but fulfilling that only could happen with the Jesus and the Holy Spirit present in our life. But if you're like me, and I was very overwhelmed with the word, especially the Old Testament. I want to talk a little bit about law, and um, hopefully I'm not going to bore you too much, so stick with me a little bit. But I've heard a lot of people, including, you know, I felt like this for many years, is that this Bible, God's word really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not relevant anymore. You've probably heard that yourself. How is how are we to live a life based on a book that was written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago by a bunch of different authors coming together? It just makes no sense. And so I think we need to take it step by step. And so the Old Testament has some hard things in it, but we need to parse it out. So you know, the old law had three parts of it, a civil, a moral, and a ceremonial. So the, so the Israelites, when Moses, you know, wrote these laws, God gave Moses the laws, he wrote them down. And Moses was not only their like pastor or their priest, like he was not only their spiritual leader, let's say, 
he was also their uh, government leader as well. He was the leader. He was the president, um, the prime minister, the king, however you want. He wasn't the king because God was their king. So they lived in a world where they didn't have elections. I imagine that. Amen to that, right? Now, God was their king. And God's like, I'm your king, and I'm going to use Moses as my instrument to write down and to share with you how I want you to live in this uh, nation called Israel. So what we read a lot in the Old Testament are these governmental civil laws. And, and a lot of them are really weird, but they are contextually relevant to that day. And you'll read things that say, like, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading. You're like, all right, that's fine. And we think, like, that's really irrelevant to my life because uh, I don't even know what an ox looks like. Or it says, you know, don't take a baby bird away from its eggs. You know, like, take care. Let the mom be with the bird. And you're like, okay, good to me. This is God's word. This is kind of weird. But these are the government followings that Moses wanted his nation to follow. And, and you do make, you wonder, like, those are weird. But let me just give you an example of some of the laws that we follow today. At first, I was looking at Texas laws because I thought, Texas is going to have some crazy laws. And they do. But we live in Massachusetts, and you may be in a different state, but here in Massachusetts, I looked up our laws, and I just want to share with you some of the laws that are current in Massachusetts. And, um... Yeah, it will surprise you. So this one law, this is a legit law that no one is allowed to have a gorilla sit in the back seat of any car. No gorillas are allowed in the back seat of any car. This is a law in Massachusetts. I don't know if gorillas are allowed in the front seat with their seatbelt, with airbags. I'm not sure, but you can't have them in the back seat. A, a monkey gorilla cannot be in the back seat. There's an old ordinance that declares Goatees are illegal unless you first pay a special licensing fee for the privilege of wearing one in public. I, I had a goatee for many years. I was a lawbreaker, you know, and I had no idea. I don't know if there was a polit politician at one point who maybe their wife left them or had a boyfriend who had a goatee and he's like nope no more goatees they have to be gone they're banned unless you have permission from me i don't know where it comes from but this is a law another one and, and actually i kind of like this one snoring is prohibited unless all bedroom windows are closed and securely locked you cannot snore unless your windows and doors are closed and locked. I don't know if neighbors were complaining about their snoring neighbors and they're saying, this has to be, this has to stop, no more snoring. And this is a law. And then classic New England, tomatoes may not be used in the production of clam chowder. Tomatoes cannot be used in the production of clam chowder. That's not New England clam chowder, does not have tomatoes, no tomatoes. It is a law. Now, these laws are weird and, and crazy, but this is the, the government, you know, and this is what Jesus came to uh, kind of not abolish, but like no longer are they needed anymore. Actually, they weren't following a lot of those laws because the government had actually changed. The R Romans were now in charge, so many of these civil laws were not even in effect. 
The ceremonial laws were put in place to how to follow God. And, and it was all a setup that you should sacrifice. And this is when you sacrifice. This is what's clean and unclean. This is how I want you to worship me. These are ceremonial laws that you got to remember came before Jesus and before the Holy Spirit. And, and this language is all pointing to Jesus himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. That I want, that Jesus is a sacrificial lamb. And they knew that these were temporary. I don't know about you, but it's been a while, if ever, I've sacrificed an animal. We, we aren't supposed to be following the ceremonial law because now Jesus has come as an ultimate sacrifice. So when you read the Old Testament and you see these civil and ceremonial laws, no, they are no longer to be followed because Jesus had fulfilled them as a sacrificial lamb. But then you have the moral laws, and those are things like the Ten Commandments. Who God is, His character. Those remain because God doesn't change. His morality doesn't change. God is still the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that doesn't mean that everything is obsolete. It just means we need to look through it. Is this a moral law, a civil law, a ceremonial law? And when you look at it through that lens, it doesn't get as overwhelming. But in the Sermon on the Mount, he goes through things like not being angry, not lusting, not to divorce, forgiveness instead of payback, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, how to pray, how to fast, what to do with money, not to worry, not to judge others. If you read Matthew 5 through 7, my guess is that you would probably like nod your head like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That Jesus is not abolishing the law, but he's fulfilling it. And some of the things he's upping his game saying, you couldn't do this before because you didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can imagine they're going through all these things and how they felt overwhelmed and they're writing down the directions. Okay, this is how to live life. You know, this is how I stay on the narrow road. And like me, when my friend Mark was telling me everything, how about build the porch? I remember, I'll never forget what he said at the very end. And as we were about to hang up, he says, okay, Andy. I'll see you tomorrow. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to help you. <laughs> There's just no way, and he was spot on. There's no way you are able to build this by yourself. You need help, and I will be there tomorrow. And this is exactly what Jesus does in our life. In Matthew 28, 20 at the end, he says, to his disciples, you know, teaching, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. That Jesus is with us to help us to navigate this world that is changing, that's crazy. And when you look at some of his teachings and we think it's impossible, so impossible that it's a very narrow road, we can only do it through Jesus. So to follow Jesus, we need Jesus' help. So you can view this book right now as a rule book or as a life book. A rule book is a list of things that say what you can and can't do. And a life book guides you into how to live a life for Jesus. It's life-giving. That's what he says in Matthew 7. This road, the narrow road, leads to life. Jesus says he's come to give us life and life to the fullest. Not just in heaven, but after. I think I, I often read this and I thought that the wide road that leads to destruction is hell and the narrow road that leads to life is heaven. 
there are still some who still believe that, but as I look different, that word destruction is not eternal punishment, but it's like a loss of not living your life the way you should be living. And and so what I've seen is this is the road of the wide road is living the life of the world in the narrow. God does have want us to live a sin-free life, but that's impossible. It is a very straight and narrow path of what he wants us to live. And he uses this gate analogy, which he uses all the time. And this is what I love about Jesus, is that he always uses things that are relevant. And um, we don't know a lot about gates, right? You, you, we live in a very gateless area. You may have fences, but not gates. Uh, my encounter, my only encounter with a gate, really, I remember in college, after a certain time, they would close the gates to entry. So we, me and somebody were going to get Wendy's and we were a late night Wendy's run and I had my uh, vanilla Frosty and my junior bacon cheeseburger and the car in front of us, the gate opened up and we thought the gate had stayed open and so we went to drive under it, but it landed on the car and it went over the hood. It was awful. And so me and my buddy were in the front. We had three friends in the back. And they thought it would be hilarious if they just got out of the car and just sprinted away, making the uh, public safety officers feel like we're doing something wrong. And so there we are sitting and the public safety officer runs and he's like, what are you doing? I am the gatekeeper. No one comes to the campus except through me. Well, he didn't say it like that, but that they implied, I'm the gatekeeper. What are you doing? We're like, sorry, we thought it was open. Like you were ridiculous. The gate was closed. You weren't allowed to enter. And why are they running away? So that, that's kind of the setting. They lived in gated communities. Jerusalem was filled with gates that in the daytime they were open and at nighttime they were closed. So gate analogies were very much relevant to them. Actually, let me read this in Luke chapter 18, verses um, uh, uh, 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. So he's like, here are the moral laws, here's how God wants you to live. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I want to unpack this for a little bit because obviously this man believed in Jesus. His struggle was following him. There's a difference between believing Jesus and following Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in 2 verse 19. You believe that there is one God. You, the, the church is who he's writing this to. says, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And what James is saying, and, and this is what Jesus is saying in Luke, is that it's not about just believing. It's about following. And to follow me, there is a, a narrow gate. So he says it's harder for a rich man to enter the eye of a needle, a camel to enter the eye of the needle, than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So what does that actually mean? And, and when you first read it, you're thinking a, a threading needle, and there's a little hole, right, where you put the, the thread, 
and a camel, a big animal, it's impossible, right? It's impossible. He says it is, it's harder, right? It's harder. Uh, he didn't say it's impossible because that literally is impossible. But as I did my research, and scholars still don't know, but this is a, a something that makes sense that uh, they've been um, using this for centuries now as probably this is what Jesus is getting at, is that in Jerusalem, you had the large gate that was open during the day. It's wide, right? In Matthew 7, the wide is the road and camels and farmers are coming in and out selling their food. It's just like a highway, right? Think about Route 1 going over the Tobin into Boston. It's a highway. And at night for protection, they would close that gate. But next to the gate, there was a small opening about the size of a doorway. And it was kind of shaped like this from the pictures that I could see. And they would call this the eye of the needle. And so at night, you couldn't free come in and out. You had to go through this eye of the needle. And how they would do it, a camel could go through the eye of the needle, but you would have to take off all its baggages and everything that it was carrying, because that's what camels did. And you would have to get the camel crunched down and you have to kind of guide the camel very intentionally and specific through this opening. And during the day, camels are coming in and out. And you could imagine Jesus saying this and they're listening. And, and I can imagine like, hey, Phil, remember that? Like last week we tried to get a camel and, and, and that girl, she wouldn't budge at all. And we're pushing her and we're, we're throwing the baggage down. It took us like 30 minutes to get through into Jerusalem. You know, that's kind of the idea that they're probably like, yeah, man, that is hard. That is difficult. I would rather go through the cave during the day. They probably planned their schedules to travel during the day so they didn't have to go through the hassle. And what Jesus is saying is if you want to live for me, you want to live intentionally. Take off the baggage, the sins, the ways of the world that you're following. Take that off and come through the gate. Jesus says he's the gatekeeper. He is the way. Are you willing to do that? And he's being honest. He's saying it is hard. To follow me is hard. And you are going to mess up. You are going to get off this narrow road. But if you stay on it, it leads to life. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This idea of conforming is what I view as widening the road. Do not go on the wide road. Do not change because the world is changing and therefore you're going to change with it. Not, not changing in terms of uh, uh, technology or not, but your morality changing. You're following God changing. Don't do that, but transform your mind. If you ever watched the show Seinfeld in the 90s, so there was one episode where Kramer, the crazy neighbor, he painted one of the lines over on the highway. So a two-lane highway became one line, lane, and he did it for freedom. And it's like, woo, woo, you can go back and forth. And so at the very end, Elaine, one of the characters, is driving on this highway. And you see her say, this is amazing. This is so free. She's going back and forth. And then, boom, she ends up in a crash because that road leads to destruction. But what Jesus is saying is, I want you to think theologically. And this is what I love about the Bible. 
The Bible's like, this is who God is. This is how God wants you to live. And, and it doesn't have every single scenario that you're going to encounter. But God's like, if you have me in your heart and you're going to me and you, these are guiding principles and how to live for me, you will be able to discern, as Paul says, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think about it as a, a parent. When you have kids, you're teaching your kids what is right and wrong, but there's just no way you can give them every scenario that they're going to face. So you want to give them a framework and a heart for them to discern in that situation what the right thing is to do. And this is what the Bible does for us. What does it mean to love? That word love looks differently in different circumstances. But God said, I want you to be intentional about loving. So in that circumstance, what does it mean to love in this context? And when we do that, we are going on the narrow road. We are saying, God, I want to follow you. Isaiah says this in chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word, God's word of the Lord endures forever. This does not change. Jesus spoke beautifully in parables, these, these stories that we can kind of pin out of a guiding principle on how to live. The culture is going to change. The culture is going to want you to widen the road. You know, whatever is good for you, whatever makes you feel good. And that, and we believe that's great unless it makes me feel bad, then you can't do that. And it kind of gets messy and it becomes complex and messy because what makes you feel good makes me feel bad. And there's all that tension and this is the way of the world and it's wide and it's crazy. It's like the Jerusalem on a noon day where the gates are wide open and people are coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's, it's a mess. And God's like, no, 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 I want you to live for me intentionally. I want you to take off the sins of the world and follow me. Don't just believe in me. Follow me. Aren't we so fortunate to have a God who doesn't change? Who's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to change the way of doing things. No, 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 no. He's like, no, no, no. I'm as consistent as anything in the world and beyond. My word never changes. This is how I want you to live. It is hard. You can't do it alone. But fear not. I am with you to the end of the age. You can only do it with me and through me. But my hope is if you can stay on the narrow, if that's your pursuit, and you may miss it, you be intentional about it, you will find life. Ask those who are doing that. They'll talk about not free from suffering, and that's for another sermon, but they're living life as God intended it. And when you're in there, in that spot, there's no better place. It's not just believing in Jesus. It's following Jesus, would you walk the narrow road with us as a church fireside? Lord, we thank you for who you are and for giving us your word. We're so thankful that you can speak to us today. That's not changing. Help us to discern Old Testament and what you're getting at and, and what is what and how to live for you, Lord, knowing that you are not a God who just leaves us to ourselves to figure it out, but you come in and swoop down and you will help us and you will guide us, not just by your word, but by your current present through the Holy Spirit that dwells in anyone who says, yes, Jesus, come and I want to follow you. Be my guide. That's what we want as fireside, Lord is to believe and to follow a word that is bigger than the world. 
A word that does not change even when the world changes. A word that is relevant as today as it was thousands of years ago. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Hey, Fireside. This is Connor, our worship leader. I hope you enjoyed the message as much as I did about putting the word over the world. It's such a life-giving message. It's so life-giving when we put God's wisdom in front of our own wisdom and the wisdom of the world. Uh, This week I had recorded a song I had been writing called Your Ways, and we played it at the end of the message on Sunday. And since we own all the rights to it, I figured uh, we'd put it at the end of the podcast. Uh, So that's going to play right now. Um, And just take a moment, whatever you're doing, whether you're on a walk, uh, on a drive, whatever you're doing right now as you're listening to this, I just invite you to just take a moment and pray, maybe posture yourself in prayer, and just consider the ways that God might be Uh, challenging you and inviting you to choose his ways and his wisdom over the world's wisdom. Enjoy. Your ways are higher than 